You're listening to Matt Walsh on demand. podcast thank you for being here thanks for stopping by please have a seat let's uh let's talk about some things i hope that you survived the epic uh polar arctic ice blast of 2015 it was uh i'm digging out right now uh literally literally three inches here in maryland i'm talking not one or two but three possibly three and a half inches uh that i'm well i'm not really digging out of it to be honest with you i haven't shoveled my portion of the sidewalk yet and we just moved into a new house in a new neighborhood. And then we get some snow and all of my neighbors have shoveled their portion. I have not done mine because, because yes, I'm that guy. I am just, I'm that guy. I am always that guy. I spend my whole life trying desperately not to be that guy in every situation. But here I am being that guy every time. It's okay. You know, I'll, I'll get around to it. Uh, it's just that. It's just that I'm a logical thinker and I'm lazy and there's nothing worse. And people, if, if you're this way, you know, you know what I'm talking about. There's nothing worse than being logical and lazy, you know, because logically speaking and lazily speaking, why shovel three inches? Just walk over it. It'll melt. It, it'll melt over time. Why should I go out and do a thing that nature will take care of in a few weeks? What's the point? It's like making the bed or vacuuming. Why make the bed when it'll get messy again? Why vacuum when more things will get on the carpet anyway? What's the point? That's sort of how I feel about the situation. And all of our neighbors now hate, hate us. All right. Um, several different things to get into. And let's, let's start with this. Uh, now, I don't like... I'm going to talk about politics, but I don't like talking politics. Um, and I don't want you to go and turn, turn the thing off now because I don't want to listen to, uh, to a thing about politics. I don't blame you. But... What I want to say is I, I don't like talking politics, uh, as in I don't like talking just politics. Politics for politics sake. I don't like that. It's, it's small, you know, it's, uh, it's thin. There are conservative pundits out there who are, whether they're talk show hosts or bloggers or, you know, TV hosts or whatever, and uh, they are merely political creatures, as in... They are for the Republicans, for the Republican Party's sake. The principles and ideas are secondary, even inconvenient, even irrelevant for them. It's a game to get Republicans elected. Our side, our guys, our team, you know. And just like your actual team, your football team, um, the players can change, the strategy can change, the staff can change, everything about it can change. And they can cheat, (coughs) Patriots. Uh, the, the players can do awful things, commit crimes, beat women, kill people. And you're still a fan because it's your team because nothing changes the fact that it's your team. It's your team because it's your team. And that's it. Some people treat politics that way as well. It's, it's my team because it's my team. But, but for me, it's always about the ideas and the principles. And that's all I care about. That's all I've ever cared about. And that's not to say that um, I care about it because I'm a principled uh, person. See, I'm not complimenting myself, but say, oh, I'm such a principled man that all I care about is the principles. Uh, I struggle to live up to my own principles all of the time, believe me. I'm a very weak person. But 
but I still care about that. that that's what excites me in the end uh, are the ideas and the principles. And that's what I really care about. Um, a politician is useful insofar as he upholds and promotes those, those principles. The moment he doesn't, he isn't my guy anymore. In fact, he never was. He's not my guy. He never was my guy. He's just a guy with a job. And that job is to govern or legislate based on certain values. Those values disappear, and now he's nothing to me. I, I have no sentimental attachment to any of these people. I am not a cheerleader. Okay, that, that's something that we all need to stop. We need to stop being cheerleaders. See, on my, on my Facebook page a, few, a couple days ago, I made um, some, I think, substantive critiques of Sarah Palin. Not personal, not hateful, not mean-spirited. And this all came up because of that speech she gave in uh, the Iowa Freedom Summit, I think it was. And she gave a speech, and now we're being told that her teleprompter didn't work, so she tried to ad-lib it a little bit and go off the cuff, which can be difficult. But she descended into, into just utter, utter nonsense. Um, so I used that as jumping off point to make some, make some points about Sarah Palin. And of course her defenders say, well, it was just one time. It was just one time that she, that it was, you know, you can't judge her based on this one time. No, it's not just this one time when she goes out and she speaks, it's uh, there's very little substance, very little depth. And it's, and it's just platitudes. It's really, it really is just talking points. So what I said about Sarah Palin is that, and I don't know if she's actually, if she's actually going to run. She's obviously thinking about it. Otherwise, she wouldn't have been at that uh, event in Iowa. But I don't know if she's going to run. But if she does, um, she is, she is not a serious contender, and we shouldn't treat her that way. She's not a serious presidential contender. Okay, that's not, it's not a personal attack or insult. A lot of people aren't serious presidential uh, contenders. I'm not. You could say that I'm not a serious presidential contender, and I wouldn't feel like you just like you just dehumanized me. She's not a serious presidential contender for many reasons. I think the lack of substance is one. Uh, the fact that 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 she she has um, less than one term as governor—that's her pretty much her entire resume. She was a mayor of a small town in Alaska, um, a town of about eight thousand. She was a mayor for a few years, then she became governor, and she quit before her first term was over. And you can use any excuse you want for that, but how do you run for president? When you're one other time governing, you quit. It's just not, I mean, how, how, could, how can you do it? And how can you support that? But a lot of people came out of the woodwork and, and just, just roasted me for, uh, for criticizing Sarah Palin. Not insulting, but criticizing. Because they're fans of Sarah Palin, you see. It's not even about the principles anymore. Maybe it was once, but now it's about the cult of personality with Sarah Palin. And I covered this on my last podcast, but it was at the end. So probably nobody, probably nobody heard it because it was at the end. Um, it's whatever I say in the first three minutes. That's what you, that's why my last one, everyone, the, all the feedback I got was about Dunkin' Donuts and Starbucks because that's what I talked about for the first four minutes and everything else. You, you don't get past the first four minutes. Um, so I'm, I'm probably already at the point where nobody's listening anymore. So I could really, I could start yodeling. It wouldn't matter. I could say whatever I want at this point. I, I watched the nature special about anteaters the other day. Maybe I could, I could just talk about that for 30 minutes. It wouldn't matter because nobody's listening. Um, so, but I covered this in my last po- podcast, uh, that we as conservatives need to stop getting caught up in the cult of personality. So we do this with politicians and, and, and other conservative figures who aren't politicians. And I mentioned last week, um, I think it was, uh, who was it? Holly Hobby Lobby is who I talked about last week. The girl who took a picture of herself standing outside of Hobby Lobby 
and then became, that's, that's all it was. She took a picture of herself standing outside of Hobby Lobby holding a Chick-fil-A cup, another picture of herself holding a, uh, a gun and a Bible in front of an American flag, which, by the way, I do have a problem with using a Bible as a prop in a photograph. Um, I, I, I do have a problem with that. But in any case, that's what she did, and she became this leader, leader of, the, of the Tea Party movement because of a picture. She became a leader of the Tea Party movement. She became this prominent Tea Party figure because of a picture. And then she apparently goes to a Tea Party family value summit and has an affair with another Tea Party official there. Um, and uh, yeah, that is her business, but it's, uh, it's, it's embarrassing. And when you become a bit of a public figure, uh, you, you run the risk of your business becoming public business. And it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing that she was ever put in a position of visibility or leadership. Because, because why was she there? What was her substance? A picture, a gimmick, that's it. So we have to stop this. We, I mean, I mean, if, if we can't be reasonable and logical, who can? So let me tell you this. There are politicians I support, a very small number. But you could criticize them, and I wouldn't cry about it. I wouldn't get my feelings hurt. Um, I like... Ted Cruz, I like Rand Paul, um, but you could say, and, and, and I think there, there are things to like there, but you could say, hey, Matt, I don't think they're the guys because this, and you could start listing reasons, and I wouldn't freak out about it. I wouldn't say, what? Why are you insulting my favorite political candidate? Wah! How dare you? He, sir, is a gentleman and a scholar, and you are a scoundrel. How dare you? I wouldn't do that. I might agree, I might disagree, but we can talk about it. See, we can talk about it. Right now, I, uh, I, I like Ted Cruz. I like Rand Paul. I like, um, even though he's not a, a politician, I li- I li- there's a lot about Ben Carson to like. But we could talk about it, and you could say, hey, um, I think they wouldn't make good presidents. Hey, I think there are you know, such and such problems with them. You could even be, you could be passionate about it and say, I think they're frauds and they're fakes and here's why. And I might agree, I might disagree, but we can talk about it. You see, I'm not going to get offended. I won't get my feelings hurt. I just, I can't even, I cannot even contemplate the mentality of someone who gets offended when their favorite politician or political figure is criticized. Now, I know in the case of Sarah Palin, she certainly endured um, uh, a lot of unfair, uh, uh, you know, not, not even really criticism, just, just, just blatant insults. And we all know it's well-documented, and it was all uh, horrendous. And it, of course, um, betrays the hypocrisy on the left of, well, everything betrays the, the hypocrisy on the left because they're just a, a inherently hypocritical and, and self-contradictory. Um, but, but we know that, and we, and we know that they, you know, all this stuff about the war on women and then they, what they do to, uh, to conservative women, it's just, it's, it's, it's horrible. Um, it's just like what they do to uh, minorities that are, that are conservative. It's, it's again, horrible. So if you hear that kind of criticism that I think it's, of course, it's okay to, uh, I don't think there's any reason for you to take it personally, but it's okay to stand up and get a little passionate and say, you know what, you shouldn't be saying that and all this. But when somebody, especially when, they're, when, when you're really on the same page with things, ideologically speaking, and they just offer a criticism, they say here, and they're very calm about it, 
and they're not insulting. They just say, this is what I don't like about this person. Here it is. For you to get offended about that is absurd. Just absurd. Anyway, that's all besides the point. I'm trying to uh, explain now why I don't like talking about politics as a means to talk about politics. And uh, so this is something from last week. And I know that, you know, that might as well be a century ago with the way the news cycle works. But I'm not over and I don't intend to drop my outrage about how the Republicans abandoned that pro-life bill last week during the March for Life. If you remember, there was a bill on the floor, which would, uh, which, and of course it would have been vetoed by Obama anyway, but the bill was written to protect unborn life after 20 weeks. Now I wrote something last week where I explained that I don't, that I certainly don't believe there should be any exceptions. Um, I am from the moment of conception, that is a human life and it should be protected in all cases without exception. And I also don't think, you know, I, I think that there's a real substantive, to use that word again, criticism that you could make of a bill, even a bill that, that, of a bill that only partially protects unborn life. You might say, well, it's better than nothing. But it sends, it sends a message, a symbolic message that you in some ways agree with the pro-choice position that not all life is necessarily worthy of being protected. So you have a smaller category of life that you think isn't worthy of protection, but you still have that category. And what we have to do as pro-lifers is say that category shouldn't exist. So I think that you, and I know there are pro-lifers out there who said, I don't like this bill for that reason, and that's fine. But the reason why it was dropped, that was not the reason why it was dropped. The reason why it was dropped is that Republicans said, you know, this is going to offend the women voters and it's too extreme and we can't do it and we have to concentrate on other things and blah, 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 and yada, yada, and it's the same old thing all over again. Even though the majority of women are pro-life and even though the pro-life movement, as I said last week in my post about it, the pro-life movement is a youth movement infused with youth, run by youth, uh, promoted by the youth, and even though that bill was, it was a moderate bill. It was a moderate anti-abortion bill. I mean, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but I think it's maybe, it's, it's like three or four maybe. There may be three or four countries on the planet who actually allow you to get an abortion after 20 weeks. And we're one of them. So we are one of the only countries in the world that would even consider letting you abort a baby that is almost viable outside of the womb. Okay, it's, it's just straight up infanticide is what it is. So this was a moderate pro-life bill, a moderate pro-life bill, because it still has the exceptions for rape and incest, life of the mother, uh, and it still lets you abort babies until 20 weeks. So you have 20 weeks to go kill your baby. 20 weeks to go do it. Babies not protected until 20 weeks. The first 20 weeks of their life, they're out on an island unprotected by the law. You can legally murder them for the first 20 weeks. The Republicans wrote a bill that still allowed that to happen. That is a moderate, a moderate pro-life bill. And the Republicans were still too cowardly to do it. And I'm not going to drop that. And what it shows me is, is this, and I've been saying it for years. The Republicans are always squishy and unreliable and traitorous when it comes to the social issues. The reason for that is that they don't, they don't believe. They don't actually care. Most of them. You know, n not all of them, but most of them. Many of them, they don't care. They, they don't care about abortion, about, about any of these issues. They just don't care about it. But the social issues, the issues of life and family, these to me are defining.
Okay. So you're a Republican, but you're a coward on abortion. Well, then you're not on my side. What I don't understand is this concept that someone can be a conservative if they're pro-choice, pro-gay marriage, pro-euthanasia, pro-culture of death, pro-culture of debauchery, but anti-tax increase and anti-spending. So you can be okay with all that stuff, but as long as you're against taxes and spending money, then you're on our side. But you know what? I'm glad you got it right on those issues, but those are peripheral. Those are superficial, really irrelevant. If our society is dying from the inside, if we're killing babies and destroying the family and watching as our most sacred human institutions crumble, who cares if it happens with a higher or lower tax rate? What does that mean in the end? It means nothing. Some people tell me, oh, well, you don't want to alienate conservatives who are, uh, who are you know, pro-choice. Or... Well, then how, what exactly are we connecting on? So you like, you like keeping your money too. Okay, great. That's, because I like keeping my, own, my money, believe me. And I think taxes are an important issue. Believe me on that. So we're on the same page, and I, and, I, and I think that's good. But then when it comes to should we murder babies and destroy the family, you say yes, and we could still bond over the fact that we like to keep our money? No, I don't think so. The social issues, so-called, are they're not even issues. They're just fundamental to life. They are fundamental. And if we're not on the same page there, then we're just not on the same page. It's as simple as that. And not only that, but uh, eventually, and this you know, goes more into political strategy, um, Eventually, the Republicans are going to learn that, yeah, in principle, these social issues, quote unquote, are the most important by far, by far. But also from a political perspective, from a strategic perspective, that's how you win. See, the Republicans are so stupid that they're the only ones who don't understand this yet. Because Democrats, they make everything about a social issue. I mean, they bring abortion into everything. They bring homosexuality into everything. They bring all that stuff into everything. Progressive uh, female commentators constantly talking about their reproductive organs and constantly talking about it. You bring Lena Dunham in, constantly talking about her vagina. Can't stop talking about it. Can't stop talking about it. Sex, abortion, homosexuality. They bring it into everything. They bring it into every conversation, every issue they bring back to that. And they win that way. And it's not because American, you know, Americans are, are so hungry for the pro-culture of death, pro-hedonism agenda. It's just that, they're, that, that it's the only agenda out there right now. Because they start making their case and the Republicans are too afraid to respond. And this is what we saw happen with uh, Mitt Romney v. Obama back in 2012. Obama would bring the social issues into everything, and all, all Romney would do is talk about, we've got to talk about jobs, we've got to talk about the economy, talk about jobs and the economy and your pocketbook and your wallet and jobs and the economy and jobs and the economy, and he lost. Because, I mean, despite, I don't care, you could take any political strategist who's been doing this for 50 years and helped presidents get elected, and you know what, I don't care what they say, they're wrong. Because these guys, they still say, well, this is how you win. Jobs in the economy, jobs in the economy, jobs in the economy, jobs in the economy. They're wrong. They're just wrong. I don't care. I don't care they've been doing it for 50 years. They're still wrong. You win by connecting with people's hearts. You got to speak to their souls. That's how you suck them in. That's how you win. You connect with them on that level. That's what mobilizes people. I mean, people, when it comes to these issues, people will... On one side or the other. This is what gets people out into the street marching. People will die for this. Okay, they will die for these issues. 
This is what gets people heated. It's what get, gets people angry. It's what gets people's attention. This is what people really care about in the end. And jobs in the economy, yeah, uh, they care about that too, but it's not number one on the list. And I don't care what the polls say. Yeah, you can call somebody on the phone and say, hey, do you care about keeping your job? Yeah, of course I do. Well, of course they'll say that. But when it comes down to it, people care about life. They care about family. They care about marriage. This is what people care about. And that's how you win. It's by connecting on those issues. If you're afraid of them, you won't win. You just won't. All right. Uh, what else? What else are we talking about? I've had a lot of people email me and ask me to, uh, well, they wanted me to write something about the, uh, you know, the deflate gate, the deflated footballs, Patriots deflating the footballs. They wanted me to write something about that, not about that, but about how, you know, we as a society were so sidetracked by this kind of thing when there are more important things out there. We're always focused on the wrong things. And anytime you have a story like deflate gate, you know, story centered around, pop culture or sports that has people all riled up, you're always going to have the, why is everyone talking about this when there's this going on over here thing? And there's something to that, the frivolity of the American mentality. And I also had, somebody sent me sort of another example of this, although not as, not as well-known or as widespread, but apparently, I don't have a lot of information about this, but apparently I can tell you that there was a WWE event over the weekend, World Wrestling Entertainment. Um, there was a WWE event over the weekend. I think a Royal Rumble, they call it. And somebody lost the Royal Rumble who all the fans liked. And so the WWE fans mobilized and started, they started you know, an online social media campaign. There was even some protesting going on protesting the result of this wrestling match. And mind you that many of these people are grown men, grown adults, actively upset about what happened in a scripted wrestling event. And so it's bad enough that these are grown adults watching professional wrestling, which I can remember being, I think I was seven years old. It was a big, I was a big, back then it was WWF. I was a big WWF fan until I was about seven. And that's when I learned it was fake. And from the moment that I learned it was fake, even as a seven-year-old, I couldn't care about it anymore. I said, why would I care about this now? It doesn't, why, what's the, it's fake. So it's a, it's a freaking soap opera with guys in tights. Why would I watch it? It's, and it's bad acting and it's, it's ridiculous. What, I cannot understand it. I cannot understand the attraction to it. And, uh, and then you grow older and then you become an adult and you realize that there are still people my age that watch this stuff. And yeah, that's okay. I mean, people will do what they're going to do with their time, I guess. But I, I can just, you know, there was a time where men, um, and, I, and I, you know, it wasn't all that long ago. My dad was like this. He still is. But there was a time when men would, would they would read books. You know, they would sit down at night Maybe smoke a pipe or something. Tobacco pipe with actual tobacco in it, by the way. A cigar, you know. And they would, ju- they would read books. They, they, interesting books about things. And then they would have conversations about interesting things with each other. You know, men used to do that. And now it's professional wrestling and video games. And it's, it, is, it is sad. It is a sad thing. 
And I know when somebody does something for entertainment and they enjoy it, you're always kind of the stick in the mud when you criticize it. You say, hey, I enjoy it. What's the big deal? All right. You know, that's, that, that, that's fine. But at a certain point, I think we should develop um, the ability to enjoy things that are a little bit more intellectually engaging. And that doesn't mean all the time, like we can't have moments of frivolous entertainment, but those moments of frivolous entertainment become, become lifestyle choices for people. And where this is their obsession, this is what they do all the time, every night. And so that, that really is a problem. But in any case, so yeah, people protesting over WWE, I think that's almost a separate, a separate issue. The deflate gate thing became, you know, that was actually mainstream. It was headline news for a long time and, and it still is to a certain extent. And I know people want me to get up here and say, well, we're focused on the wrong things. But I don't think that we are necessarily focused on the wrong things. I think it's just that we aren't focused at all. Because people do this to me um, when I you know, I'll write, pretty much anytime I write anything about anything, you're always going to have the, the curmudgeon in the comment section who says, why are you writing about this when this thing over here is going on? And you say, well, I can't write about everything. I have to write about one individual thing. I can't write about literally all things every single time. That would be the longest blog post of all time, and I would never finish writing it. And yet, that thing over there, it might be important to you, and that's what you're focused on right now. But right now, I'm talking about this thing. But I think there is a problem that we, that we are, it, it's, it's, it's hard to focus on anything because because it, it, when you see somebody maybe post on Facebook about Deflategate, or even you see a headline news story about Deflategate, it's not like that's the only thing that person cares about. It's just one of a million things. And that's, that's what the internet age has wrought. 24-hour cable news has wrought is that we're all focused on a million things. Some of them frivolous and unimportant. Some of them only important in a very minor kind of way. Some of them very important. But it's all, it's all this big jumbled mess. It's all tossed into a stew in our head, and it's just swimming around out there. And sometimes we pluck one of, the, one of those things out, and we talk about it for a bit, or we post on Facebook about it. And then we, we stuff it back in, and we, we pull something else out. And so it's just it's impossible to be focused on one individual thing and when somebody is focused on one individual thing even if even if only for a few moments and they're talking about it they're having a conversation and you swoop in and say why are you talking about this 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 and this well now you've just now the one convert you know we maybe could have come to a conclusion about this conversation even if it's not that important to you but now you've just totally derailed it now you've made it impossible to draw any conclusions about anything We've, we're having this conversation. You've just dumped a thousand other conversations on the one conversation we're having. So you're the problem. So, I mean, if people want to talk about cheating in sports and uh, sportsmanship and how important these things are, that's, it's not the most important thing in the world, but it, it can be a, in a, in, a, in a valuable conversation. You could reach some conclusions. You could find some insight into it. Um, you could have that conversation. And maybe, that's, maybe we need to work on that more. Just let's have this conversation. Let's focus on it. And then, and then, and then, once we've had the comment, we can move on to something else. Okay, but it, it, 
the conversation has been had um, about the deflated football, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to, right now I'm having a conversation about the conversation or a, a conversation about the conversations about the conversations, but I don't want to have a conversation about the thing itself because everything's been said that can be said about it. All right, there's one other thing. Well, there's a bunch of other things I wanted to talk about, but we don't, we don't have time. Um, last week, um, I wrote a post about modesty and leggings. I certainly don't want to get back into the leggings conversation, but I did just see something on theblaze.com about a 15-year-old at a high school um, in, uh, in, in Utah who was at a school dance, and she was asked to put on a, a shawl she was wearing a dress. She was asked to put on a shawl um, because she was wearing a dress that violated the dress code. And, and the dress code says that you uh, have to have your shoulders covered. Okay. And so we, she, she was asked to cover, you know, to abide by the dress code. And so she did. But then she went to the media and complained about it. And then, so then there was a whole story about it. Now, I don't think there's anything personally wrong with a, with a woman wearing something where her Shoulders are partially exposed. Uh, however, however, and I'm, I'm a big believer that in schools, kids should have freedom of speech in the sense that they should be encouraged to speak their mind, to have an opinion, um, to formulate a viewpoint, to even uh, you know, argue against what they're hearing, to argue in a respectful way, but, but in an intelligent way. So I think there should be a lot more of that in schools, and it's one of my biggest problems with the way that, that public schools are run. It's why my kids aren't going to public school. Because I want them to go somewhere where they can engage with the education and question what they're hearing and ask, you know, ask those questions and have discussions and where those viewpoints and opinions are welcomed, right? It's why my kids aren't going to public school. It's one of the worst things about college campuses right now it's how you know differing viewpoints are are squashed and i don't think you can have a legitimate education where where you are not allowed to have an opinion and have views because that's how you learn things it's by by experimenting with ideas you know you have an idea and even that concept i i think is foreign to people now experimenting with an idea but it means you have an idea about something and you're not sure if even you believe it, but but you just you voice it so that you can talk to somebody else and 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 maybe strengthen the idea or realize the holes in it or whatever. That's a normal human thing to do, and we should encourage our kids to do it. So I am a hundred percent in favor of free speech in a school setting. At the same time, though, I also definitely see the wisdom of uniforms and dress codes. You don't have to agree with the uniform. You don't have to agree with the dress code. doesn't really matter. But I, I think it's a good idea. I think all schools should do it. And I know you'll say, well, it's free. You know, what you wear is speech. It's free speech. Uh, not, not exactly. It's ex- it can be expression to a certain extent. But it's not really speech. You're not really voicing an opinion or an idea. And in fact, usually with what kids wear... It's the exact opposite. It's the exact opposite of individual expression. That's why we know that, that, that not just kids, all of us, were dominated by fashion trends, by fads. 
And so nine times out of ten, what a kid is wearing, they're just wearing it because it's cool. They're wearing it because other people are wearing it. Uh, they're wearing it because it's fashionable. It's trendy. It's the fad. So that is not individual expression at all. That's the exact opposite of expression. It's the exact opposite of speech. It is, it is conformity. Now, a uniform is conformity. It's enforced conformity. But at least, it, at least it's clear about what it is. It's, I mean, it's right there in the title. Uniform. Everybody is uniform. It's better than the quasi-uniforms that kids wear to school these days, where they're wearing a uniform so that they can, so that so that they can make it clear that they fit in with a certain clique or that they or that they're you know down with the fads. So it's it's kind of a uniform in that sense. And whatever they're wearing, they'll whatever the whole ensemble they'll drop it and wear something else if that thing becomes cool. So at least with a uniform, it's a uniform that declares itself as a uniform. It makes it clear that that's what it is. And it takes out the distraction. I mean, um, you know, expressing your ideas about things, questioning what you're learning, asking questions. This helps the educational process in a in a in a in a school environment. But in a school environment with mixed genders, uh, where kids are hormonal and you know pubescent. Um, I don't think letting kids, quote, express themselves in what they wear, I, I don't think that helps the educational process at all. I, I don't think it, it, it assists the educational process. It doesn't make it better. It doesn't help. Um, this isn't really, this isn't a First Amendment uh, matter because obviously, you know, a public school is, is, a, is a government building and you're sending your kids to a government building and there are certain rules there and they're allowed to set those rules. Or if you go to a private school, it's a private entity. They have rules. So it's not a matter of, it's not like your First Amendment rights are being infringed when you're told to put on a shawl or wear a uniform or whatever. So I'm not endorsing, the, it's not that I think that, you know, women shouldn't show their shoulders, but I do think that schools should have dress codes, should enforce them, and even go further, I think uniforms are a good idea. I would have hated it when I was in school. I would have hated it. So I'm a hypocrite. I'm waiting till I'm out of high school. You know, I'm 10 years removed from high school, and now I'm saying, yeah, uniforms are a good idea. But I think I knew even then that they probably would have been a good idea. And I've certainly never heard anyone articulate a reason as to why um, having a dress code or having a uniform hinders education. I- I've never heard a-, a coherent explanation as to how that can hinder or hurt the educational process. I don't think it exists. All right, um, we're going to leave it there, I think. Um, yeah, I think we'll just. Well, I had a few other. Well, we'll just we'll just leave that for uh, next week, or I'll write about it, or uh, we'll never talk about it. All right, have a great week. Have a safe week. Akuche salus. God bless.